Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Today we're sharing a unique panel discussion from the 54th New York Film Festival. As part of our NYFF Live series of free talks, which are sponsored by HBO, three of New York's foremost casting directors discuss the intensely creative and collaborative art of casting. Gail Keller, Henry Russell Bergstein, and Richard Hicks talked about their respective careers and their approach to casting in the digital age. Keller's work can be seen in Kelly Reichert's Certain Women, Bergstein's in Kenneth Lonergan's Manchester by the Sea, and Hicks in Catherine Bigelow's Zero Dark Thirty. Hicks, who moderated the conversation, is also the president of the Casting Society of America, who co-presented the evening. Let's go to that now. My name is Richard Hicks, and I'm a casting director for film and television, and I'm the president of the Casting Society of America right now, which is our professional organization, or CSA, which are the initials that you often see after casting director's credit on a movie. Uh, First off, thank you to the New York Film Festival and to the Film Society of Lincoln Center for hosting us. I'm, when I found, when I was asked to do this, I jumped at the chance, because I'm always eager to talk about casting, because I find Casting is one of the most important and yet least celebrated and kind of least understood crafts that go into making of a movie. Now everyone, you all have your favorite movie moment. Think of that moment, usually as an actor in it. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, those moments are the things that we all remember about film. You know, where an actor is on the screen and some sort of magic is happening where the actress, say, is nailing it, you know, and they're funnier or they're more moving or they're charming or they're sexy or powerful, you know, in a way that you totally feel and that is, uh, you know, a, a complete and full and better expression of the writer and director's intent than even they imagined, and yet they're revealing something of, their se- of themselves in that moment. Those are the things which I've spent a whole career kind of chasing and advocating for. Um, And the casting process of audition, of discussion, of making offers, of advocacy, and of negotiating is essentially, for me, like a meeting place, kind of like this, where the script and the role meet the intention of the writer and the impulse of the director for the first time, where uh, the director and, and writer can hear their words for the first time, and where the rubber meets the road, and where they see if something you know that sounds good in theory really resonates in when it when an actor is interpreting it uh it's it's those it's that kind of um electricity and the kind of power of the of that connection that happens only in that moment uh which is something that i find incredibly invigorating and it's always changing it changes each time you meet a new actor or uh, the director is a different type of director than the last person you worked with. It's a fascinating, ever-changing matrix. Um, speaking of fascinating, uh, I'd like to welcome our two guests. First off, she's one of the casting directors of Kelly Reichert's film Certain Women, which is playing at this year's festival. Her other films include Todd Solon's Life During Wartime, Judd Apatow's Trainwreck, Television's Louie for FX and Inside Amy Schumer. Please welcome casting director Gail Keller. I'm so glad you didn't trip. <laughs> oh, my, you knew what to do, yeah, or not to do. 
Uh, and I'm also excited to have with us today one of the casting directors of Kenneth Lonergan's Manchester by the Sea. Having started off at uh, Off-Broadway's Vineyard Theater, uh, he's a casting director in film, television, and theater, uh, including uh, work on uh, Mozart in the Jungle for Amazon. Please welcome Henry Russell Bergstein. My mic was broken. So, oh, I'm so glad to sit down now. Ah, uh, so how did the so welcome? How did these films come to you? Uh, come to you? Um, I I did uh, certain women for Kelly Reichardt with Mark Bennett, uh -huh. who had done um, Kelly's previous film Night Moves. Uh, got it. And. Uh, Mark was in Los Angeles, and Kelly was in New York, and I was in New York. So, um, you know, Kelly wanted someone in New York to help with the casting, as well as Mark, who was in Los Angeles. So he was auditioning actors w in L.A. and sending the tape? Yeah, so I was auditioning actors in New York, and Mark was auditioning actors in L.A. And, I, and when we started the film, Kelly actually had already gone to Montana. Uh huh. So she was... Um, already there scouting locations, so she wasn't in New York. So uh -huh. every, all the casting had to be done via videotape, or videotape, that's an old frame, right? Uh, reference, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Right. On tape. On tape. And, and that's something that I think is true now in a way that it wasn't, in that in the, somebody's in one city and the directors in another and the actors in another uh how how do you navigate the uh intensely technical uh uh requirements of trying to get uh, uh the auditions around and get people to put themselves on tape i think i think it's an interesting thing now that like there are options available like i was doing a movie uh in indiana set in a prison and I was holding an open call at the prison. At the same time, I was asking actors to self-tape from New York City. And you know, you kind of pick the best one of each of those. I think it's a uh, fascinating uh, capability that we have now because we get to choose from people who are in the room or people who are you know across the country. Yeah, I think it happens more than it used to, of course. Um, because we have the capability to do it. Uh -huh. um, so I was auditioning actors at the same time, some actors who were not either in New York or in Los Angeles were self-taping and sending their auditions to us. So for- But is that true for like the star, like, like Kristen Stewart wouldn't audition? No, no, no. The, 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 the leads of the film were attached to the film before, um, to help with the financing, which uh -huh. is sort of a reality of independent film. So they were attached, Kristen, um, Laura Dern, uh, Jared Harris, and... And is that, did that, ha that happen before you got on? It did no, no, we, no we, we were doing that as well. And how does the process of trying to um, attach a star like uh, Kristen Stewart... Very differ? slowly. Uh -huh. <laughs> so the, so how does it happen? It's the, like, um, bane and of our existence now. I think, I mean, to some extent, it's just there is that... Uh, chicken and egg game of we want stars attached mm -hmm. uh, to get the financing but agents are very protective of their stars and they're like we don't want them to commit to this movie unless it has the financing and so uh -huh. you know and some directors and scripts warrant people jumping in before things are 
totally greenlit, but other projects, you know, unless somebody flips over a script when they read it, they're like, well, come back to us when you have the money because we don't want it to fall apart when our client is the one attached to it. Right. We, we did have, I think for our movie, we did have the money. Mm-hmm. So when we approached someone like Kristen Stewart, we did, we were able to say, we're going to go, this is when we're going sure. for the film and we want her and will she commit to it? So. And that's one thing which I think is a kind of a gift of working in, independent films that are of quality because you get to you know like I'm, I'm doing a movie with Catherine Bigelow and all I have to do is say it's a Catherine Bigelow movie and a lot of things happen because of it right. you know and similarly like uh, like uh, uh, Kelly Riker or Kenneth Lonergan you can say it's that kind of movie and people want to engage in the process in a way that they may not to if it's somebody completely unknown. Yeah, and I think with the stars, it has to. It depends on uh, their schedule. Yep. Because it is, it's usually not a big pay payday uh-huh. for them. Yeah. So it's got to be a project that they really feel passionate about. Uh, for example, uh, Michelle Williams had already done a couple of Kelly Reichardt right. movies, so she was very eager to do another one because she loved working with with Kelly, so that was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jared Harris didn't really, he wasn't as familiar, uh, Kelly wasn't as familiar with Jared, and I don't know if Jared was as familiar with Kelly. Mm-hmm. So we had to get the two of them to, you know... Um, we to had understand to, each other. To under, understand each other to, to make that leap. Did they, did they have like a sit-down meeting after he read the script? They never had it? a sit-down meeting, no. He uh, read the script, and we showed Kelly some of his films. Mm-hmm. And then luckily, they, you know, he said yes. Got so it. So that was it. Would you, uh, Henry, would you say uh, working with Kenny Lonergan <coughs> on a movie like Manchester by the Sea is a different process than it might be with other directors with whom you work? Uh, I, mean, yeah, I mean, each director has a very specific project. Uh, Doug has, you know, I've worked with Doug for almost... Doug a, who? Who's Doug Abel, sorry. Has, I've uh-huh. worked with Doug Abel for almost a decade, and he um, he cast Margaret for Kenny, uh, uh-huh. and uh, they've worked on plays together uh, uh-huh. at the Vineyard and things. Uh, so he has a long-standing relationship with Kenny, and they understand each other. Kenny also, uh, you know, he's married to an actress. Right. He's acted... Uh, he comes from the theater, so he has a very strong understanding of actors uh, and a sympathy, uh, empathy, both. Uh, yeah. And so um, a lot of the directors that we work with, you know, even, before, even when there are actors in New York, a lot of the process is actually taped firsthand because they are so sympathetic to actors that they don't want to be in the room with someone that they're ultimately not going to cast. Yeah, I found um, that to be true recently. Because they, they genuinely, genuine, genuinely love their performances, but if you're just not right for the role or they see it some other way. So a lot of the stuff happens on tape first, and ev- uh, even if they're in New York, uh, we show stuff on tape initially. And how has that changed what you do? I can tell you, for me, like um, I, the, the requirement to be a... Qua- a this isn't exactly right, but like the need to be a good director as a casting director has kind of increased because what I often do is uh, the tape is the only thing that the director is ever going to see, not the meeting part, not the person in the room part, and often they're casting off of this tape. So I find I do the scene and do the scene until, until, until it, it feels like real for that person. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, 
didn't know Kelly. I knew Kelly's films before I started working on this one, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I went and watched all of her films because I didn't ha- know That's all smart. of them. So I could get an understanding of her. Yeah. And who and, and I could see from the performances of the actors in her other films what kind of performance she might exactly. be looking for. Yeah, which is something that an actor who's auditioning for Kelly Reichard might be smart to do as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, look at those other movies. So you see that it's the she's, small moments. She's a that very minimalist filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ve- not a lot happens. It, it also allows, uh, I guess, a lot more to some extent create creative risks or creativity for a casting director because. Uh, if you're just bringing people in for the director, uh, you, yeah, I get nervous you can't and I, sort of and I bring get, someone yeah. in that you think is going to do a great thing that might be out of the box. But if you're putting people on tape first, you have the chance to see how it works and if it is the great idea you think it is and then show it to them. And also help an actor sort of hone the performance to what you know that director wants before they mm-hmm. meet the director. So it, it sort of allows you to help the actor more. Yeah, it's double-edged because, it, because at the same time you lose the kind of point of view of the director in the moment and sometimes they're capable of going, you know what, actually the arc of the scene is this, you know, and, and so you do or don't get that, get that uh, moment with them. Um, so talk to me about, uh, like, what would you say is, like, the most fun part of being a casting director? Panel. I Doing <laughs> panels at New York Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, I feel trick question. I feel oh, unable no. to speak I like because that. I don't have a table over my legs. Um, yeah, or, I or love something you know, wrapped around your. Ankles. I love meeting people, dealing uh-huh. with people, <coughs> uh, and you get to meet all variety of people. Uh, you know, you do very specific searches sometimes for people that would you would never sort of walk across, uh, walk by on the street, uh-huh. uh, and sometimes you meet. You know, I I, I don't. You don't actually, people are always like, did you meet any famous people today when you go to like dinner parties or family holiday things? Yes. And I'm like, not, not really. I mean, not someone that, maybe someone you know from TV or something, because famous people don't necessarily audition. Uh, and that's not appealing to me. In a, I mean, the only person I've ever gotten starstruck is that um, years ago, Kathy Lee Gifford was in the waiting room. <laughs> her daughter was auditioning. Awesome. Uh, she was auditioning for The Last Airbender. And... I opened the door to go get the next person, and I saw Kathy Lee Gifford. I was like, oh, my God, it's Kathy Lee Gifford. Is Hoda with her? And I, I, uh, I normally don't lose. I mean, I really am not starstruck. Maybe Barbara Streisand would do that to me. But um, So, I mean, it's not about the famous people. But you just uh-huh. you sort of deal with people. You get to help people. Uh, you get a little bit of directing. I think I told you this when we were talking about it earlier. Uh, you know, I went to film school, and I got my MFA, but... I hated being on set. It was just, I liked being a director, uh-huh. but I, being on set is long and boring in my mind. So there's a lot of waiting around, and, uh, but you get the best elements of directing and working one-on-one with an actor and being part of that creative process uh, and helping them do their best and matching people up to stuff and just, you know, being with people. I love the, I love the kind of sociological aspect of something, which is uh, one of the things I like about the kind of length of a movie casting as opposed to, uh, being in a television series, which is more ongoing, uh, uh, because you kind of like are f- asked to dive into a whole world and kind of get the vibe of it, and what's the vibe of the actors that you're going to need, and like how m- how much like sometimes real people are what you want in the movie. So like you know, I w- I was in uh, uh, Schenectady about a year ago casting a tiny little movie with all these like o- former Steel Town dudes, you know, and and then I was in a prison six months later. What is this prison movie you keep referring to? Some with Jeffrey Wright in it, and you know and some professional actors, but like no prof- others, you're not. And you know, 
there's like there's like you know actors being truthful and there's real people being truthful and the actors aspire to get to that real person truthfulness uh, and when they are able to like Jeffrey say it's the best of both worlds but like sometimes one thing is more important than another like for a small uh, part of a movie of a person in a steel town it was perfectly cool to have the real version of that because because the acting of the scene wasn't um, you know didn't take a lot of actor skill it just asked them to be honest you know and so like uh, you were able to 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 make it sing because you put the right color right in there I guess I'd say and sometimes funny is what's required like I was doing a, a, a Kirby enthusiasm you know and you need guys who are guys and gals who are good at improv and that's not always true. Is that how would you say casting uh, for like Kelly Reichert differs from casting for for Louis? Well, you know, Louis uh, doesn't. Do, we don't do any improvising for Louis mm -hmm. ever. It's <laughs> e ever. It's like what he wrote is what he wants everyone yep. to do. So uh, people think that we do improvising, but we don't. So um, they're kind of similar, actually. You know, in a weird way. I because mean, because they're both very truthful. They're they're very small. both writer directors. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, Louis an actor and Kelly's not. But uh, I think a writer director is is someone that is so clear about what their vision is and about what they want, uh -huh. and the word is so important to them. Yep. You know, so in a way, they were actually very f similar. That's trippy. Yeah, it is. You know, and I mean, Kelly's not necessarily who's fun. funnier. Well. Kelly's very funny. Oh, okay. She is very funny. If anyone saw her talk after her movie, um, she uh, uh, and and this movie, this certain women, I think has a lot of funny things in it. Okay. You know, for, which is not which is unusual for Kelly, uh, but Louis is is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, like, when you when you have somebody in your head or that you've auditioned, say that you love and you think is right for the part. You, that you think, ah, oh, that's the one I hope they choose. How do you get to them choosing that person? I mean, uh, it's interesting. I started out, I sort of started out weirdly uh, in the studio, at Warner Brothers Studios in casting as a okay. manager of casting. I mean, I started out at Fox and at Manhattan Theater Club, but quickly was at Warner Brothers. And there is sort of... That's casting by committee. It's a different thing. I mean, series regulars are cast by a ton of people. First, the network approves uh -huh. them, then, or the studio, and then the network. But um, you do sort of, that job taught me some tricks. You do sort of um, put a group of choices together, uh, knowing that you want one to be picked, mm -hmm. uh, you know, politically. So, you know, there might be four great people for a part. You want one two are okay and the fourth one is really great but you don't really want them, you would not put the fourth person on that list. You would just put the other three, right, so that the best gets a chance to shine. I mean, this is when you send this stuff off that the creative uh -huh. team has already signed on and you want to hopefully get the uh -huh. network and studio to sign on. And in this modern era, you're not, you, know, you used to send actual VHS tapes. We talked about how you, you, know, you would dub from tape to tape. Oh, yeah, but right. um, now you send links and different links have different formats but you know when you send auditions to directors you do have the people you really like and think are really great and you you don't know it necessarily how quickly a director is going to go through a link or if they're going to look at the first few and not mm -hmm. make it to the end yeah so you sort of 
you know, put your choices where you think they're going to shine the most. Uh, but it's also a dialogue with the director about why, why you like somebody or you know, what you think they bring to a role. Sort of, right. I mean, it isn't like a, it isn't like this manipulative thing that I made it out to seem. You mean you are talking about it? You're not secretly. Uh, it's just in sort of making s- certain, make sure things get watched and things like that. I mean, there is a game you play with the politics of studio and network, but that's different, I think, from what we're talking. No, about. I, or you're, it's, it's, it's a game with more players, I guess I would say. But it's still the same game. Like I'm working on a TV show and I'm working on a film in both situations. I, I do my best to try and I can't control it because at the end of the day. It's not our choice. We are hired to give our professional opinion about what would be the optimal choice, but at the end of the day, it's the director's or the producer's uh, uh, version of what works best for them that you are trying to serve. And sometimes they aren't good at casting, and so they don't really have a sense of what works best, what would work best, and you can talk about that or uh, and sometimes uh, sometimes they are awesome at it but they just have a different vision Um, uh, I remember early on I used to want to be liked more than I wanted to do the right job do you know what I mean like like I would like I'd want to be seen as cool and hip and smart and know what I was doing and like here's some oh cool actors well yeah they're cool actors but like are they the best ones for the job and what do you do when they're not picking the best one so if we go look back at your early early you projects are there going to be very f- shiny people in them not shiny so much as like i was like i came out of the like independent movies in 93 and i was and i and i just landed in la and i was mr theater and mr like you know i know what i'm doing so like all these kind of scraggly independent movie people I would try to put in these Hollywood movies <laughs> and they were like not they it just wasn't a good fit and I, I thought I was so cool but I, you know, whatever, whatever I mean I, I find that um, a lot of times it's I do bring in the actors that I, I like their work because mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of theater so a lot of times I'll go and see a play and I, I really like this actor and I bring them in for something. I, I guess I try not to get in their way too much mm-hmm. because either they're right for the part or they're not. Okay. And and what I do isn't going to, I don't think, change that much of what what they're going to bring to the character. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So um, I, I try not, I try to sort of just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And, but if they need some adjustment that I think the director might be looking for, I'll, I'll make a, that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do tend to, to, to throw the net wide. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because um, there is some stuff about the, the part that I might just not know that the director is really in tuned with. Uh-huh. So I, I try and bring like a really array of actors. Oh, that's interesting. I go different way. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm like, you know what? Let me try a lot of different things here and see which one they respond to. And then, I'll sort, and then it'll help me pinpoint like what it is about. Is the, that true for the people you're working with for the first time or people that you consistently work with? I think it's both. Okay. I think it's both. Yeah. Because yeah. I come at it where I like, here's my point of view. You're welcome to disagree with it. And, but like, here's why I think it's the point of view. You know, what do you think of these five baubles? You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, you know, five marbles. And, 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 and if they don't want them, I have five more. Uh, right, uh, right. 
but it's just a different way of connecting with people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, because um, because I, 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 I'm not the writer. You know, uh-huh. I'm not the person that wrote it. So I don't uh-huh. have that character in my head the same yep. way. Yep. So I'm like, maybe I'll miss something that uh-huh. they really want in this role. You Got know, it, yeah. like I don't have all the answers, right? I'm, I'm, actually, what, sometimes when I see an actress performance, they inform me totally about the character. True. Yeah. You know oh, definitely I mean? during auditions, someone will come in and he'll be like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. Exactly. I'm going to direct exactly. everyone else who comes in after them to do it with that in mind. I mean, not that way, but like right. you, you realize a side suddenly pops uh, when someone does it right. And you're like, oh, that's a thing that needs to happen. I mean, sometimes you know that. And after you've done it for a while, I mean, you, you know it right. more than not. Right. But every now and then there'll be a tricky side that you're just not sure how to crack. A lot of, yeah, suddenly, a lot of times you know what's wrong, but not everything that's right you know Mm. so that's why when i see like a lot of different types of people Uh like i'm not going to just go for what's necessarily written on the page i'm going to try and uh you know bring some other colors well yeah i think that's part of what we as casting people can do is uh what what we what we we kind of look at the we take the script and then we kind of break the mold of it to hopefully see what shakes through and and to say does this have to be a man does this have to be white does this have to be 27 you know and sometimes the answer is yes but often the answer is no it doesn't have to be and how does that change the script and how can we keep finding our way to making the thing that we're working on look like the real world and not you know the the what am I trying to say the kind of dimin- diminished Hollywood version of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, has there been a time when um, like uh, can you think can you think of an example of when an actor came in and blew your mind at an audition and uh, and it kind of revolutionized the way you thought thought about a part. Or where, <laughs> or where, uh, or where, like it kind of exploded it into something, and all of a sudden it was awesome. Uh, n- not exactly okay. like that, uh-huh. but but I have, um, I have, you know, like met actors for the first time, yep. and been like, wow, wow, mm-hmm. this person is. Who are you? You know, I always like, like, where did you come from? And like, when that light goes off and when you feel that, then... And it might not even be for that part. Yeah, right. That's the, that's the trick of it. It might just be like, wow, this person is really talented. Yes. And if I try them for that part and they don't get it, I will definitely remember them again. Totally. Yeah, right. And, and then, I'll, ne- I'll actually never forget them. Right. You that, know what I mean? I Everything totally do. I do, I'll... I'll think about them. They'll be in my and head. And try to see if it could be a fit because, because like awesome actors are awesome or, you know, are more likely to be awesome in many things, you know? And so like the trick, uh, the trick uh, I find is to just get the actor to come in and show themselves fully and really, really kind of inhabit it and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, but like, don't be afraid to show yourself because it's that act of revealing yourself that uh, that that we kind of you know are are trained to to attach ourselves to. And the next thing you know, we're your fiercest advocate. I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I was talking to you earlier that I don't. I, I, um, I think of like a lot of what happens in casting, you don't like to share, right? Uh, you don't want to share because it's a, you know, this, I watch, I don't watch reality shows like American Idol, at least the beginning part because the audition process, which people find so entertaining. Oh, I know. I can't watch real. that either. To you know, you've been in yeah. rooms where things have gone. I mean, as you go along, I think you have less awkward moments because you know the actors you're calling in and you know they're going to be good to a certain basic level. But I also never know like what's, you know, what kind of stories you can tell. I, I think of it as sort of like a sacred safe space. Sure. I do know that like, you know, there was a role um, in the immigrant uh, that was supposed to be a man, and mm -hmm. um, there's an actress that James had already loved uh, from Doug having introduced her to him at a, in, a, in an earlier film. I don't know if she was in the other film or not, but she, she, they, they sort of found her. She was a famous Russian actress who had uh, emigrated to the States uh, and had taught acting here, but really hadn't been in much. Uh, and for the immigrant, they actually we, he wanted to try it. He didn't know where to put her, and she came in for one role, but Doug was like, well, what if we try her as this role that was meant to be a man, and, uh -huh. and it worked out, and she got the part. So, I mean, that stuff sort of happens when you have great actresses. Uh, you sort of make it. You kind of make it work. Work for them. Yeah, know? yeah, because, because the, the movie's going to be better when another fascinating actor is in it, you know, kind of, kind of no matter what the part might be. Um... Cool. Well, let's see. There were a lot of great, um, you know, there's the, C.J. Wilson uh, is in Manchester by the Sea, uh, and he plays sort of the family friend, and he's sort of like a burly guy who, you know, has a, several emotional scenes. Uh, but there were a lot of, you know, great strapping guy guys that came in and had to cry for us. Uh, and that was, they all, you know, they were very moving, all of them. I mean, most of them that we called in yeah. were. Uh, but it's, you know, you get to witness a lot of that kind of emotional uh, stuff in auditions, I guess. Which how, is do you, how do you help create the circumstances where somebody feels comfortable enough to kind of do that? Um, uh, well, um, you, you just, you're really nice to mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And, is, um, is everybody nice? I'm not, I'm not nice. I'm, I'm very mean, nice. I'm nice. very nice. I'm really solicitous. I'm very yeah. nice. Um, no, you know, it, 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 it's, uh, you usually try and let them know ahead of time who's mm -hmm. going to be in the room. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're comfortable with who, when they go in, who they, they know who's going to be there. You let them know if you're going to be taping it or not. You know, you just sort of prepare them for the room a little bit, uh -huh. I think. And then you just let them go. I right. mean, you know, they've got to either do it or not. Or they, they're not going to do it. But, yeah, I, you I know. think you do this as well, but, you know... Uh, Doug reads with all the actors uh -huh. that are in our, our films. Um, so it uh, eliminates a person from the room right away. So it's a yep. safer space. It's just usually me and him and uh, the actor in the room, unless the director is there. Uh, and always we try to discourage, uh, when it gets to that point, as few producers mm -hmm. behind the table as possible. Sure. We never really are behind a table. Uh, you know, we don't like to create that extra barrier kind of thing. Yeah, me too. Um, I know that CJ does yoga before he comes into audition. Uh -huh. he, he told this story on, on stage somewhere, so I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn. But, you know, act, you, we try to also have even the waiting area be as sort of comfortable. A, well, a yeah, I try and not be. schedule too many people so that, so, that you, so that they're not, you kind of try and help that, like, what am I trying to say? It's a real vulnerable thing for an actor to come in and go for a job that requires a lot of chops. And, you know, so you really want to respect that. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, 
over schedule it so that it's kind of like each person's turn to come in and contribute to the artistic conversation that is the audition process. And, uh, and like you say, you know, you're really respectful. I read with the actors too. So like I'm looking them in the eye and I'm trying to be honest with them. And, and I kind of, by association, invite that level of commitment. And so often it's, it shows itself. Because you know you're there for them, and their actors are so appreciative. Because it's such a kind of weird, vulnerable, but ambitious moment for them. Because they yeah, want auditioning it is just such an artificial thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, a director once, a theater director once said, you know, it's auditioning is terrible, but it's like the only option really to mm -hmm. get uh, sort of you know. Uh, it's part of the reason I think why casting is so important. I mean, we see it, we get to know an actor's body of work, we can talk about it with the director. You know, a director's getting to see these three scenes uh, in an artificial setting where they suddenly come in and have to do the scenes right away mm -hmm. and not have sort of the prep time. I mean, not that you have that much prep time on set. But, um, you know, a director comes in and they get to see these slices part of being a casting director is having, knowing a, a person's body of work and being able to say, I've seen them do this and this. They can uh -huh. bring that color to it. They can, you know, you should not just look at this moment in the room alone. Right. Be aware that they're capable of these other things that they've done. Uh, and, uh, oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like, how often would you say you, like, what do you do to, to find actors you don't know? Theater. I go to the theater all the time. How often? All the time. I go twice a week at uh -huh. least. Um, I go to comedy shows. I, you know, I go to UCB. I go to um, stand-up comedy. I go to the pit. Um, I watch a lot of television. I mm. go to the movies. Um, all Seeing that, stuff it's is fun. such a... It's, it's fun. Yeah, you, have yeah. to see, you have to watch You have to, yeah. Movies, it's trippy because it'll absorb as much as you want to give it and more. Like in this modern world you can always be looking at somebody's self you know some scene they put on tape with their friends or some british sitcom or there's all you know the internet has kind of expanded the responsibilities of our job and right. the possibilities of our job but it's also made us uh brain dead because there's never there's not enough time to watch what's available but that's why we're so lucky in new yes. york city that we have theater because I mean, there you can see a full production. You don't mm -hmm. just see someone's scene in a TV yep. series. You get to see what someone can do with a character from beginning to end in yes. two hours. And if someone can hold your attention in the theater, they definitely can hold your attention in television and film. Uh -huh. That's what I, I believe. Well, yeah, it's know. a skill of like, you know, kind of directing themselves in a way. I, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I would say 75% of the people that I bring in for auditions are people I've seen in, in a show. Uh, uh, got it, yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's cool, that's impressive. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's open it up to questions. Does anybody have any questions? Uh, now, I'm supposed to tell you that there's a microphone, and because this is being recorded, everybody should uh, say their question into the mic first. Have I done that correctly? Very good. Uh, so I'll start, well, is it just the one mic? And over, well. Great. I'll start up there since it's far away, and then I'll come down to you. So, uh, yeah. Well, maybe, is there someone over here? And, well, how about that guy first, since he's near the microphone? And then, 
can you hand it to that guy, and then we'll do you. Yes, sir. Cool. Um, so uh, this is for all of you. Um, the question is like, how do you sign on projects? Like, do you get phone calls, or are there certain producers or directors that you want to work with? Is it the story? We get asked or? this at every panel, Gail. Like, um, you know, we do get, we get, you know, people call you sometimes with random things. It, it's all ways. I mean, you, people usually reach out and say, I have this project, would you be interested? Uh, depending on how busy we are at that moment, I think we yeah. would read it or be like, you know, is it finance? I mean, have you, have you other work that you could show us a clip of so we see, you know, like, uh, I mean, I don't, I think, uh, the two of us at least, I think are pretty easily accessible, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for Kelly's movie, actually, uh, I was working on a, a TV series and the costume designer also had done all of Kelly's movies and she recommend she said you know she recommended me so you know so it's it's a lot of times it's you get a recommendation from someone mm. uh, or they see your work you know like they'll see my name and, and a credit and and whatever and then they'll reach out uh, you know we I have an agent I don't know if you right. do but I have an agent and they'll call my agent and send a script or whatever or a director I have worked with will say so-and-so is doing a film, meet that, you know, send me an email, would you be in, Or know, sometimes agents you? or managers will recommend you for a project, you know? And conversely, like, sometimes there are people that you're dying to work with that you kind of reach out to and, and, and say, I'm available if you ever want to hire me. Yeah. Uh, okay, that guy. Now so you, and then I'll do a lady. I'll do you. Uh, this is a question about Louis, but it might apply in general, too, but... On Louis, there's a whole host of stand-up comedians who play cameo roles, and in many cases, they're playing sort of loosely fictionalized versions of themselves. So I guess, what's the audition process like for those roles? Uh, do they come in an audition? Has anyone failed auditioning to play themselves? <laughs> People do. I, uh, for, for, uh, for, I did uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. People came in and were supposed to be who they were. <laughs> Some of them couldn't do it. Um, <clears throat> like Todd Barry and uh, uh, um, Nick DiPaolo, they were just, you know, Louis said, they're doing this. Uh, but there, there have been some comedians in Louis, like, I want you to read them to see if they can do it. And some of them haven't been successful. Uh, but I've still brought them in for other stuff because now I know them. Mm -hmm. You know, like Lynn Kloppitz didn't get a Louie, but she ended up getting something else I was working on. Playing yourself can actually be like yeah. the really hardest thing um, because the like traits that you might be known for actually to like replicate them when you're reading other per another person's lines is sometimes tricky for people uh, and rhythms and stuff. So it can throw people. Got it. Uh, so that guy and then her and then I'll do you, because I see you. Uh, thanks, Henry Gill and Richard, for being here. Uh, great um, hearing you guys. So, Richard, something you said in the beginning about uh, your favorite actor and you know who's responsible for that when you uh -huh. imagine the performance. Uh, I wonder, as experienced casting directors, you guys are also expert in characters. Uh, so what is the creative process of working with the filmmakers or writers in, in the sense that, no, this character, this cast choice for this character may not be 
Right, is that the kind of things you guys get involved in, uh, in characterization when you look at something, and also diversity and inclusion-wise, that okay, you say this, but why not you know, a woman for this part, mm -hmm. or why not a brown or black person? I mean, just to say, like, uh, so creative and socially, uh, is that something you guys get involved in, or you just uh, step back? Or, uh, can yeah. you share There's some experience? Answer. I mean, yes, I mean, the, the CSA itself actually has you know, initiatives to encourage, you know, encourage diversity uh, as a as an industry, but we also, you know, I think we are, you know, people directors are asking us our opinion, but also we've seen, you know, the way certain kind of casting goes and doesn't go, and and how you can actually be more diverse. So we are able to sort of like bring people in and show them that it can work, right. even if they don't. I mean, yeah, and, and New York is such a diverse city that if you're shooting something here, it just makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you're not going to show that diversity of the city, then you're not really being true to that, to this place. But the, uh, the same token for Kelly Reichardt's movie, for instance, was shot in Montana. And there were not a lot of people other than white people there. I mean, you know, there's a huge uh, Native American population there, but that's about it. Mm. You know, so she was sort of, in a way, kind of tied to the place and having to show... Uh, represents it, represent the place in the, in the film, you know. So it's it's different, you know. Sometimes it depends on what the film is about and where it's being shot. You but know, I think we as casting people are kind of very often uniquely placed to help move the ball forward. It's kind of a group effort because all the director <laughs> and the producers and everybody has to not be behind the times. But like it's also it's kind of up to us and also not. But but we can move that ball forward, I think. Uh, who, I Thank forget you. who. Yes, ma'am. Hi, uh, and then, I'm film. And then that lady. Hi, uh, I'm a filmmaking student, and I want to ask about during the casting, from your perspective, like how do you see the actors and actress? I mean, like um, what specific like element are you looking for from them? Do you just like um, do you sit back and observe them from a very per um, objective perspective or what? I think it's an interplay. You can, you can answer. I think it's an interplay. You try, you, you, it's subjective and it's subjective for the part and the moment and everything. And then it's objective about your database of who this person is and how their relative talent and their, what their vibe is and putting that in your files. And so you kind of work on two ways at once, I find. Yeah, and you know, you try and know the actor as well as you can. If you're meeting someone the first time, what their audition is is all you really kind of have to go off of. So you have to make a decision, uh, you know, in that moment. But then you also have the opportunity, like Henry said, we do this for so long. We see an actor's career from the beginning to as it grows and changes, and then we're able to subjectively, I guess you could say, make a decision about uh, them as, as uh, someone fitting that role, you know, but it's based on their body of work. Mm -hmm. So that's an advantage that we have because that's all we do, you know what I mean? It's just constant for us of, of seeing an actor from sometimes 12 years old, you know, Scarlett Johansson when she was a little mm -hmm. girl, yeah. to where she is now, you know, it's like we watch that process the whole, you know, and a director may just come to it and just know maybe one thing that that actor has done. There are also actors that we know 
don't audition well. There are actors mm -hmm. who are brilliant actors, yep. brilliant screen actors, don't audition well, or even theater actors. But uh, so you have to, you know, a be aware of that, know that, and sort of work directors past that and show them other work. Uh, it's just like because it is such an artificial process that that r the room, the audition room. Mm. Okay, uh, was it you? No. Yes, am I, am I, I think it was you. And then I'll do that guy, then that lady all the way back there, and then I don't know what I'll do. Thank you for the presentation. It sounds like really fun work. Um, I'm assuming that you don't always just cast one um, actor in a movie, and you may be doing several at a time. And often you see a film and all great actors, but just essentially, you know, one works with a kind of intensity that, and another one might be really breezy, and it just, the contrast doesn't really work. Or sometimes um, in family situations, you know, they just, the actors look so physically different yeah, from I each know, it's other trippy. That, it, that it can get in the way depending on what kind of a story it is. So how do, you, how do you work around, I mean, what happens when you find a really great person for the protagonist, but you know, then you can't get your favorite person for the second? Well, then I think you weigh, you weigh the relative merits of how important it is to have that person as the you know, the, you build a puzzle and you make, you, you, you rise or fall by the decisions you make about, about what's most important. So with that guy who might be a compromise in other areas, is it the right move though still to have them as the protagonist because that, that is the linchpin of the story or it's, you know, it's the most important thing or maybe it's not the, maybe I don't need the best actor there, I need somebody really handsome there, or I need somebody really funny there, or, or mm, there's something, like, I could go with this other choice, which would allow me this and this and this and this choice, which in the aggregate would be better for the story. But, you know, ultimately it's not our decision. Uh-huh, right. So you can blame the director for that. <laughs> and I often do. I We're bringing in the actors, but they're making the decision, you know, ultima yeah. ultimately it's, it's always their decision, mm. you know, so we do the best we can, but, you know, it's their, it's their film and their decision, so. Mm. It is an interesting thing, though, I mean, like, it's actually that, a subtle difference that some one actor's style is very intense and one else, someone else's style is sort of laid back. I think most directors will uh, migrate to the same style of acting. So they tend to sort of self-select people who do the same oh, yeah, style in a, in a film. Uh, I feel like that might happen more when you're like casting a bunch of celebrities and things and then they come together and they have their own way of working and it doesn't necessarily always mesh in the same mm -hmm. way. It might be a financial decision to have to cast name people and then it doesn't necessarily match mm. up. Yeah. Uh, yes, ma'am. I think it was you. There you go. Hi. Uh, this is a next generation question. So there are amazing developing producers, young writers, directors that are extraordinary. Where would that group of up-and-comers connect with some of the up-and-coming casting agents that are being trained uh, as we speak? Casting directors? The, well, uh, casting... Uh, not they're not directors yet, correct? No. Well, we, what, uh, we're we're ca there's casting directors, and then uh, people the next step down are casting associates and casting assistants. Uh, we don't call ourselves casting agents anymore. 
Um, the CSA, the Casting Society of America, has a website where, where, uh, where you can go and post a project that you're working on and uh, describe the details of it and, um, and interested casting people, CSA members, could contact you about, about working on it if they were interested. Um, another thing you could do is like look up the movies and TV shows and theater productions uh, that you think have awesome casts and try and contact the offices of those people uh, because like their associate m who may not be ready to set up their own shingle may be of a mind to take on a project take on a project as a casting director and you know and work on it uh, for less than it would. Than, uh, than, than it would if you were trying to hire the fancy version of the person at that office. Um, I forget, did I say somebody after her? The, the man with the big hand. Okay, right okay, great. Thanks a lot. I just wanted to go back a little bit to a different question. Um, and I, it's not often the casting of the non-top-line stars sort of hits okay. the news, but with Tim Burton's comments about reading a script for his new film and not seeing uh, why were there no non-white actors in the film. And he said, well, I just didn't see a need for it, right? And it wasn't indicated in the script. And I'm just curious if you guys could speak to, A, is there, what can you do in that situation? But, and you spoke to it a little bit, but also, um, what, what, lar what things have you guys thought about in terms of trying to say, well, if it's not indicated a race, how can we still say this could be an, a, a non-white person in terms of your suggestions to directors? Well, you could just bring them those people and they could see for themselves. You know what I mean? I, I think it also it depends on the relationship you have with the director. You know, I mean, you've got to remember we're, uh, we're guns for hire. You know, so we get hired by directors and producers and so we want to get hired again. So we do, have to, we, you know, we do have to answer to some people. We can't just do whatever it is that we want. But, but I think that you know, if you're taping actors, if you're putting actors on tape, which we mm -hmm. so seldom do now without directors or producers in the room, like I said, you, know, you bring in an array of people and let them see for themselves. Mm -hmm. Or like Henry said, you know, the, the casting director said to the director, what about this person for the ro this role that was a man and how, how, how about that for a woman, mm -hmm. you know? Or the director may, you know, hopefully they'll also be able to see, see that themselves and be able to do that themselves and not just have you do it. But also you can suggest it. I mean, there, <laughs> nothing hurts by, by making that suggestion, you know? Yeah, you put diverse names on your list, you bring in diverse people. Uh, and you talk about diversity when you have that opportunity. I mean, it's, it does really depend on the dialogue you're having with the specific director. You kind of, in a kind of char uh, you know, appropriate way, challenge them to defend that position, I think. I was working on a TV show <laughs> set in ancient Egypt where the, it was a TV thing, and they were like, we can't have more than two black people in this thing because it won't sell foreign. And I was like, dudes, what are you talking about? We're in Egypt, you know? And, um, and yet, I could, yet I didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have a argument about it. What I had to do was kind of subtly 
time after time return to the reality of what that was. And eventually it kind of wore them down so that they were open to, 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 to something that they should have been open to right from the beginning. Um, okay, we've got time for like one or two more questions. Yeah, I saw his hand up and then I'll do her. So both of the movies that you have in the festival this year are set in Montana and Massachusetts, and I guess, how do you strive M for that? States. Sorry? M states. M states, yes. Uh, with very thick accents sometimes. Um, so I guess, how do you strive for that authenticity with actors in the room? Do you just sort of maybe postpone that thought and think they can work out the dialects later, or uh, finding, I guess, also, because you're not on the ground and you're not doing location scouts, how do you get that essence of the locality? Um, we, you know, with Manchester, more so with the younger folks than with the uh, older ones, but uh, when they initially came in, we didn't necessarily encourage them to do an accent. Uh, I'm trying to remember the timeline in my head. We saw a lot of people, but um, at some point in the game, we asked them, at, when they were further along in the process, we asked them sort of to prepare uh, different characters. The Manchester accent was very important to Kenny and it being specific to Manchester, it is not a Boston accent. It's a, even more specific than that Boston accent. And also Casey and knowing that area and knowing the accents. Um, so that was something that we were very aware of. Again, I think initially the important thing was finding the best actors. And then when you had culled those actors out of the larger pool, then sort of seeing them try on the accent uh, and some of them floundered and some of them soared. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, and I, with Kelly, she, um, accents never really came into play necessarily, but one thing that she would do is she would send Mark and I photographs of faces that she really liked and faces of people from that area because she was there scouting and stuff like that. And she'd say, I want them to, I, this is a look that I like. She wouldn't say, I need, I need someone to look like that person. But you know, there was a quality to their faces. You know, they just, they, you know, there was just like a simplicity to them in a way. And so when I was bringing people in New York, I was, I had those faces in my head and I was trying to bring actors that did have something that was similar to what I thought her look was. And then when they did come into the room, it was also just trying to make them be very simple in, in the way that they delivered the lines. You know, and um, and then we did find this amazing uh, Native American actress who played the role of um, uh, what was her name? Well, her the actress's name is Lily, but she, we she put herself on tape in Montana because that's where she was living, and uh, and just you know she just like did a self tape and then sent it to us and, and everyone just like kind of fell in love with her. How so. did you find her? What was the means well, of Well, it was, you know, we put out a breakdown is what you do when you, when you get Was she an actress with an agent in London? She was an actress with an agent. Uh -huh. She had been in another film. Uh -huh. um, she had, I think she had done one other film. So, uh, we, you know, we put out a breakdown and, and all across the country, actually, you know, you were get, we were getting... Did you do Actors Access or just the managers? We didn't do content? Actors Access, no. We just and did Sometimes I've agents. done Facebook searches or we do, like, uh, I, I was looking for a 200-pound 12-year-old boy and I, and I uh, went to, I advocate or solicited at uh, 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 overweight camps and children's, you know, uh, acting camps and stuff and you use your brain to see, like, where could a person who's like this be? 
and you know, and that's part of the fun of what we do is is kind of mommy groups on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. There's um, all there's every twin out groups there. on it's Facebook. It's all out there. Uh, there's lots okay. of groups on yes, Facebook. Yes, ma'am. Um, what are your thoughts on typing for actors? Is that smart? It's so funny. I um, yeah. taught a class. I'm going to jump in on this because I, I sure, sort of go ahead. Uh, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me. Uh, I was teaching somewhere and they had a curriculum towards the end of the four years of their bachelor's degree where they were taught types and they, were, they did a lot of studying of their own types. In general, uh, I think it's good for an actor to say, to be able to talk about themselves, I can play parts like this, I see my career as someone like this. I think that if you type yourself and then say, oh, I'm not gonna go in for that, I'm not that type, or uh, this is my type, and you hold yourself to that, you're only gonna limit your opportunities. A casting director may be calling you in for any number of reasons. It might not be that role ultimately, but they wanna see you read that, because that's what they're reading for, and they're having you in mind for something else. So in general, I think typing sort of, uh, if you try to type yourself, it holds you back. Um, it's good to be able to talk about what you see yourself as, and actresses whose careers you like and would like to have, and you know, Thing, roles you think you would succeed in, but I don't think typing I, is. A I've never heard that, so, but I, I totally agree with him 100%. That it's limiting. It's limiting for, you know, for an actor, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, great. Well, thank you everybody for coming. <laughs> I promise not to trip. The Close Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org. F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C dot org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>